Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome, Traveler's Blueprint community. I am Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the unworrying Robert Demena. Oh, thank you. Um, welcome, TTB community. Why am I unworrying? Did I say unworried or unwearying? Um, I thought you said unworrying. I, I meant to say unwearying. Okay. Yeah. Can you explain what that means? It's just never tiring or slacking. Oh, wow. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So before we get into our Travel Bites episode, um, it's, it's getting to be the holiday season again. And that means most of you will be shopping online, probably through Amazon. We just want to remind you that you can click on the Amazon affiliate link through our website. And no matter what you purchase, we get a tiny, tiny percentage of uh, whatever you spend through Amazon. So again, you click the link, you do your normal purchasing. There's no cost to you and you just help support our podcast. Um, it's really that simple. They're just an affiliate of ours and we would, we would appreciate it greatly. So keep that in mind as you shop around for your, your loved ones this holiday season. Yep. Super simple and easy way to help us out. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. Are we just jumping right into the news? Jumping right into it. So we've got, right. uh, 10, maybe 11 articles that we'll jump into. But the first one we're going to talk about is how facial recognition is taking over airports. Uh, this was brought to us by CNN on October 8th and Francesca Street was the author. And Bob and I have actually had a little bit of experience with this in on our way to Peru in Fort Lauderdale. We had this, we were just looking at a camera and had our face scanned didn't use our boarding pass, didn't use anything, and that's how we got on the plane. And I had never seen that before. That was my first experience. Yeah, that, that was my first experience with it too. But um, as American travelers, you can expect to see this be rolled out to most airports throughout the nation. Essentially, all it is, um, it's just taking your picture and comparing that picture in real time to your passport picture. It's, you know, and, and if everything goes well, you just get a green light and you board the plane. It's made to speed up the overall boarding process and it does significantly um and i mean that's that's really it there's a lot this article if you do end up clicking on it there's a ton of information on sort of the history of it and why they're rolling it out uh implications some people have safety concerns with it yeah privacy concerns privacy concerns which i don't necessarily agree with it depends on how you live now if you already if you have an iphone that you need to use your face to unlock and you already have all your data uploaded into Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and you already gave your information to the TSA to acquire your passport, uh, you know, eh, it's not really gonna make that much of a difference to you. No. You already voluntarily gave up all your information. Um, you're also gonna be walking through an airport filled with cameras, monitoring every move you make in the airport every minute you're in there. So. I don't think for the average person, this is going to be a concern of your privacy. No, but if you're a felon on the run. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a felon on the run, if you're someone who has avoided giving up your data, if you're still rocking a razor phone. Um, a razor. Yeah, wow. and you're, you're kind of trying to fly under the radar, then maybe you can, you have an argument you made. However, if you're flying internationally, you have a passport and you gave up your information to the TSA anyway. Um, it's, yeah. it's I'm not, not a concerned about it. No, no. It's If it speeds up the boarding process... Um, I'm, I'm 
sure. very yeah, much for that. That's fine. And all they're doing again is just taking your picture and comparing it to the picture that you already offered up on your passport. Um, yeah. There is a company fighting it for privacy reasons. And I thought this was funny that they, and I quote, we see it as, as similar to nuclear or biological weapons in terms of the potential harm that it possesses to human society. Poses. Poses, yes. Sorry. Okay. Um, we nuclear, all struggle with reading. Nuclear weapons. Um, can yeah, nuclear I don't weapons? quite see it. I don't like even think that. we need to, yeah, I don't think we need to comment on that further. Um, so yeah, anyway, expected to see it rolled out in the United States over the next few years. Our next article is a little, a little nicer, a little happier. Uh, Rick Steves, the travel guru of the last 30, 40 years, everyone has one of his travel guides, um, is self-imposing a $1 million tax to offset environmental impacts of travelers. And this is through Travel and Leisure. Uh, Kaylee Rizzo did this article. And we've talked briefly about uh, environmental impacts from traveling, jet fuel, and how each individual traveler does have a larger carbon footprint than someone who does not travel by air or travel regularly. And Bob and I each travel two to three times a year with flights and it starts to add up. And Rick Steves has taken it on himself and his company to help offset that mainly for European travelers, not American travelers. Yep. Very cool. It's nice to see one, see someone acknowledge the, you know, the emissions that they're creating as a result of the, uh, the company he's, he's created, right? Yep. And tourism has grown steadily over the last 20 years. I mean, declining flight costs and increased size of middle class. His, so the number he got was due to the 30,000 travelers that fly to Europe every year. And they estimated to offset an individual traveler, it's $30. So that number came out to 900,000. They rounded up to a million. Yep, very cool. Yeah. And I think it'd be really cool eventually when we have more electric flight vehicles that I think environmental costs are going to continue to decline. Now, I know you, you're pretty knowledgeable about this. The issue with creating a plane that runs on electricity, that runs on a battery, is that we don't have the technology to create a, is it large enough battery? Yes. Yeah. Well, we, we can make a large enough battery. The issue is that it would be too large to fly with. Too heavy, right? Yeah. Okay. So the, the main issue with batteries as it stands right now, sorry, this is a little aside, but we don't have batteries that are energy dense enough to support commercial flying. There are planes out there now that, very small planes, that can fly with like two to four passengers, okay. but not large distances. Um, what, how, if you had to take a guess, how long do you think it'll be before we actually have commercial planes flying uh, battery operated i'd say 40 years wow yeah yeah that's my guess yeah elliot shibley you heard 2019 it <laughs> 2049 right. by 2050 we'll have electric flying all right sorry 2060 oh, that's so far away is it yeah it's gonna sneak up um right, what's next all right so this is just a very quick thing that we found pretty cool there is a giant slide in an airport that will take you to your gate um this is in singapore of course, it's Singapore. Everything in Singapore, so they, cool. They turn it into a playground. Everything. This That's is. Why they're happy. Oh, it's such a fascinating. I'm telling. You, I still want to go there. Yeah. We should just oh, do yeah. a little yeah. a little weekend trip. It's a quick hop, skip, and a jump. Yeah. Well, we'd have to figure. <laughs> we'd have to pair it up with something, um, somewhere else in Southeast Asia or something. But 
super cool. I would recommend you can you can watch a clip of a guy jumping on the slide and just going down to his gate. It's pretty neat. So um, it's, it's in the it's forty foot high, right? Yeah, 39, and it's like a tube. It's not feet. open, so you can't like jump off. Correct. Yeah, and they spend if you spend ten dollars in the airport at any restaurant or retail shop, you then have access to the slide. And nice. that's it. The only what? question I, I have is <clears throat> about bags. I the, in the clip, the guy didn't have any luggage with him. Huh. You know, what if you're car- what if you have a carry on with wheels? Do you do you hold it? Do you hug it and then go down like maybe. I do with my child sometimes, like on a slide? Yeah. <laughs> or do you maybe throw it down the slide first and then follow it? <laughs> do you yell four beforehand? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a question that I have. So if you've done this, if you've actually written this slide and you have that information, please email it. All right. All right. Our fourth article is actually very important to everyone listening to this right now. If you're in the United States, if you're yeah, out of the United in the States, US. you can <laughs> tune out for five minutes. Uh, so the real ID is the deadline is quickly approaching. It's 20, October 1st, 2020. And if you do not have a real ID and you're trying to go on a flight through an airport in the United States, you will not be given access to the plane. You will not be allowed through security. Right. Yeah. So real so ID. The- yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, so the, the Real ID Act, it was enacted um, by the 9-11 Commission, and it's just, essentially, it's an, an additional padding for security for people boarding flights, traveling uh, nationally. It's going to affect every single airport, and right now, based on this, what this article says, 72% of Americans either do not have a Real ID, uh, or they're not even sure if they do or what it is. So hopefully we can shed some light on that. Yeah. So the easiest way is just to go to your Department of Transportation in your state. And most of them will have uh, a form that you can fill out to see if you have your real ID or to apply for your new one. And I know I got a new ID last summer and I was hoping to get the real ID, but they're like, it's not ready to roll out yet. So you can't get your real ID. Right. Amanda just got hers. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So 47 so states. Have to get another one. 47 states are compliant. Two states have asked for an extension in the process, and that's Oklahoma and Oregon. And one state is under review, and that's New Jersey, of course. Of course. Uh, that's my home state. Um, so if you're listening to it, to this and you're living in New Jersey, you're still going to be able to use your driver's license to fly I, I, for now. Um, and, and you know what? I don't know, Elliot, I don't think you said this yet, but we should say that, that if you do not get your real ID, you can still fly nationally, but you'll have to bring your passport with you. Yes. Yeah. So it's not like you can't fly at all if you don't have the real ID. You just need to make sure you have your passport, which I'm not a big fan of carrying my passport when I don't have to. And no, so uh, I'm not either. And yeah. a lot of people don't have updated passports. Right. So um, I don't know if that's a lot, but there's some people out there. <laughs> yeah. And there's a good website. It's called ustravel.org. And they have a lot of information on this real ID process and how to help, you know, identify what type of types of documentation you need to get the real ID and things like that. But mm-hmm. look yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get your real ID. Educate by, yourself. You have a year, you have one uh, year. So that's yeah. plenty of time. 11 months. Yeah. All right. What's this next one? Uh, I thought this was hilarious. So <laughs> Google maps is, is, is leading people off of the side of a cliff in Sardinia, Sardinia, Italy. Um, oh God! <laughs> so people are using Google Maps. Of course. The, yeah, of course. Yeah. I do it all the time. I did it. I did it through my entire road trip to the Balkans. It's very helpful. And but I, I've also run into situations where you're, you're using it, and it'll take you to a, your destination, and it's just not the right place. So people are using Google Maps, and I don't know where where they're trying to go. 
um let's see if it says it um i don't know they're trying to find somewhere in sardinia and <laughs> the emergency services has been called out 144 times over the past 18 months oh my God. to help people back up from this cliff's edge in one circumstance the owner of a porsche was taken to the cliff's edge and realized the last minute that it was that there was no way down to the beach oh that's right um yeah so what they're doing is they're trying to get down to this beach google maps is taking them on a route along the cliff cliff's edge and there's no route to get down to the beach and they're sort of just stuck there apparently it's a one lane narrow passage they actually had to call in a truck to lift the porsche up and turn it around so he could then drive back out yeah. And yeah, but this, this is a known issue with Google Maps. Like there are other instances, not just in Sardinia, but in the United States and the UK and other parts of Europe where people are following Google Maps, not looking at the road in front of them and either driving off of a cliff or driving into something. Right. Are you familiar with The Office when uh, Michael Scott and Dwight are driving together and He's just, Michael Scott is driving and he just wants to pay attention to Google Maps and Google Maps goes, turn right. And he just swings the wheel, turns right immediately and just drives right into a pond. Yes. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. You remember the good old days of MapQuest when you had to print out directions? I do. We were some yeah. of the, we were maybe the last generation to actually do that, right? Probably. Mm-hmm. Kids yeah. these days don't know. Yeah. It's... Well, and then the generation before us actually had Rand McNally atlases. I still got one in my car. Do you? Yeah. Huh. For for the instances where the phone is dead or there's no service. Yeah. Yeah. It's good planning. Yeah. All right. Our sixth article. If you're planning to go to the T- Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which is July 24th through August 9th next year, the New York Times, uh, Alan Richards did a really great what you need to know about the Olympics and we're going to go over some of those items. So first thing is there are five new sports, not related to travel, but still kind of cool. Skateboarding sports, sports climbing, surfing, baseball, softball, and then karate. I'm kind of pumped to see climbing. Is that Sports be like climbing. Well, what's sports climbing? Is that rock climbing? So I think I will have to double check on this, but I think it's where you, there's like this big rock wall or mm-hmm. rock climbing wall that sits above a pool and people like are either i don't know if they're actually harnessed or if they just fall into the pool if they fall off but okay. you just like go up 50 60 feet as fast as you can and some of these people are like spiders wow yeah you know Google there it. i i read something before that women are much faster at rock climbing than men really mm-hmm. so i'm gonna i'm gonna be curious to see if that holds true in the olympics yeah I am too. maybe because they're typically lighter i don't know yeah that's a good i, I would want to look into that yeah, trying to find my words. So the it is still difficult to get tickets. There were two lotteries to get tickets to the events. Um, there will be tickets on sale through 2020 up to the Olympics, but it will be very difficult. But that doesn't mean you can't go. You can still go to the Olympics. You just may not be able to attend any of the sporting events. There's still plenty of activities to do. You can still see the Olympic campus. And around that time um, in July through August, there are other events going on in Tokyo that are really cool to see. And know that if you buy a ticket to one of the events, um, the Olympic Committee actually has the intellectual property to that when you buy a ticket. It's in their legal disclosures. So 
you can still take pictures. It's just if you post them on social media, there is a chance that it could be flagged and taken down. It's odd. So, yeah, I'm not sure. That's the first time I'm hearing about something like that for an event of this scale. Well, good luck to them to take, them down, to take down all the pictures that are going to be taken and posted on social media. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tokyo has a great public transit system. It can be very complicated at times, but look at Hyperdia. I believe is how you spell it. It's H-Y-P-E-R-D-I-A. And it's a website that helps you look at schedules, maps of the transit systems. And then know that if you're trying to get a hotel, like Europe, uh, you cannot book for one person and have six people in your room. They will fine you and charge you extra. So you have to pay for every single person that's in the room. And hotels in Tokyo are a lot smaller than American hotels. So if you do get a room for six people, it will be tight. It'll be very tight. And if you want to go but don't have lodging, there are internet cafes that actually offer uh, crude living or crude beds for like 10 bucks. Whoa. Yeah. And then Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty cool. It is. I, I've always wanted to go to uh, the Olympics. I don't know if I ever will. I would probably go to the Winter Olympics over yeah. the Summer Olympics. Yeah. I'm a, well, I'm a big fan of hockey. And... And I always like the bobsledding, um, snowboarding. Cool I runnings. Know, I just, what is it? Cool runnings. Cool runnings. Yeah. You've never seen that? N- I'm not familiar with it. The Jamaican no. bobsled team? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that the, the movie? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw I it when I was pretty young. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I just kind of, I would love to be at the Olympics in the middle of like a curling match and like be right on the edge and just like screaming like it's a, like a hockey game. Just getting really into it. <laughs> So look for me one day. <laughs> I will. Yeah. Love to see that. All right. Our seventh article is also New York Times. Haley, sorry, Hillary Richard. This one's kind of fun. Uh, I I kind of want to go here now. It's in Estonia and it's an Isle of Women. Of the... Why do you want to go there? <laughs> it just, I don't know. <laughs> I've never, so it's like a... It's like a cultural thing. I've never seen. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, Bob, weirdo. <laughs> so of the 300 yearly residents, only five of them are men. And it's been this way since the 1800s. Uh, a, lot of got, a lot of the men were away from home, on sea trips, working elsewhere. And so women were just left on the island. And they actually started to take over, run the island, and do everything the guys did. And... It's been that way for 200 years or close to it. So it's just a cool little thing. It's like and a modern day Amazonia. Yeah, there's a, there's a museum. It's called Kinu, K-I-H-N-U. And it's not a very big island. It's actually the seventh largest island in Estonia of the 2000 that they have. But still, it's not huge. But it's kind of yeah. cool. That is. That's pretty interesting. I'd be curious to go there too. Um, What's next? All right. So this was pretty recent news. This actually came out yesterday, the which yesterday was October 26th, 2019. You're listening to this, I think, a week later. Um, but the United States has now banned all commercial flight, flights to Cuba except for Havana. This is being rolled out by the Trump administration um, because he wants to halt or try to limit the amount of American tourism dollars being spent in Cuba. It is just part of the ongoing spat between America and Cuba that we have seen 
through Elliot throughout our entire lives. Um, yeah. It's petty at this point. It's annoying. Other countries have enjoyed the freedom of traveling in and out of Cuba. You know, other countries like Canada and Australia and people throughout Europe are going to Cuba, enjoying it just as they would any other Caribbean type nation. But the United States and Cuba continue to battle it out. And now if you're interested in going there, the only place you'll be able to fly to is Havana. Hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, that being said, Havana is the biggest the biggest popular. city yeah that's where yeah. most people are going to anyway i don't really understand why they banned everything other than havana but it's just something that you should note there's only two airlines that actually fly to cuba right now that's american airlines and JetBlue. Uh, they have already publicly announced that they're going to comply obviously with the united states government and so it's just something to consider if you planned on going there i've been eyeing it up cuba that is um as somewhere we can go maybe who's we my my wife and and maybe baby maybe what, baby. what about me you can come um but it's just an easy place to go to it's so close to us it's a very quick flight it's cheap and it's culturally interesting so you mm-hmm. can still get that that caribbean climate and you can be in a very far removed from american culture which i like you know i was 60 miles away from cuba last week uh yeah right you were in yeah. you were in Key West Key so Key West itself is about ninety miles and Havana is almost due south but when we did mm-hmm. our deep sea charter uh we were about thirty miles off the coast yeah maybe twenty yeah still pretty I've, cool I've been to the southern uh the southernmost southern point, point in the United States yeah I've yeah. been to that landmark yeah we were at the southernmost house and the southernmost point it was cool yeah and then we went even further south yeah so. Uh, keep that in mind if you're planning to go to Cuba. And speaking of the Caribbean. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is by Sky Sherman, uh, Travel and Leisure. Cheap Caribbean is sending 50 nurses and their plus ones on free flights to, to the tropical destination of their choice in the Caribbean, which is awesome because mm-hmm. yeah. they're just supporting nurses. I already sent this to my wife, who's a nurse. Um, we have a lot of people in the medical field between you and I. I mean, your yeah. wife um, is a PA. Yep. Uh, my sister is nurse practitioner. Uh, sister-in-law is also is a PA. Yeah, and my yeah, my, and like I said, my wife's a nurse, so I should send this to all of them, right? I mean, yeah. is it only nurses or is it anybody? Nurse practitioner counts, right? Um, I, I don't know. You'd have to look at the fine print. Yeah. So this is this is super cool. I just saw this today. Um, this article reads that nurses are among the most overworked professionals on the planet, uh, which I can vouch for. And in America, a newly licensed nurse mainly works 12-hour shifts and nearly half work voluntarily over time. Uh, 62% of nurses feel burned out on the regular, and 49% have considered leaving the profession in the past two years. Wow. So to enter, you must sign up by 11.59 p.m. CST, which is Central Standard Time, uh, on November 4th, 2019, to join Cheap Caribbean's ER&R Club, which offers all-inclusive deals exclusively for nurses. On November so that's 5th, literally, when you're listening to this, that will be today. That'll, it's Monday, right? Yeah. Next oh, Monday wow. is the 4th. Wow. Yeah. Maybe we should put something out a little earlier. Um, yeah. We'll do a little teaser. Throw it on our story. Um, on November 5th, ER&R Club members will receive an email to register for free flights uh, and the first free... 
Just, uh, there's something wrong with the, the text yeah. right there. <laughs> so the fine print. Um, ER and R club members will have to select dates for a trip at, for at least five nights anytime from January 1st through January through June 30th, 2020. Some blackout states apply, and nurses who receive the free flights must book on United Airlines by November 15th, 2019. Okay, so there you, you've got less than 12 hours to sign up for it, and you've got less than a, two weeks to actually book the flight. So yeah. plan. Mm-hmm. All right. What's this next one? This is our last article, huh? All right, so the most famous traveler ever. Ever? You think so? I, I think know. she could be. I think we'd have to. Be. I think we would have to dive into that to figure that one out. All right. So I thought about this. The most famous traveler ever for non-colonial or imperial purposes. What about Magellan? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. All right. Well, we're talking Amelia Earhart here. All right. So <laughs> I think she could be the most famous traveler ever. There were bones found on a Pacific island, and they think they could be hers, which is pretty big deal. That is. Um, they're going to do been DNA looking for her for a while, for a very long time. Yeah. So they they found these bones. They found this skull, and they're going to do DNA testing on the bones to determine whether or not they are in fact hers. Um, so, uh, yeah, a quick history on Amelia Earhart. Um, so let me see here. Oh, and while you're finding that, uh, this is from CNN. Elizabeth Wolf and Brian. Reese. Yeah. So. Amelia Earhart, she committed herself to becoming the first woman to fly around the world in June of 1937. And she took off from Papua New Guinea with her navigator, Fred Noonan, intending to land on Howland Island in the Pacific. So on July 2nd, when approaching Howland Island, the pair radioed to the U.S. Coast Guard that they were low on fuel and having difficulty finding the island. That day, the pair disappeared from the skies forever. Uh, They searched and they essentially never found her remains. They never found the crash site. And obviously, uh, we have never, it's still an unsolved um, case. So it would be- 80 years later. Yeah, it would be amazing if these remains were actually hers. It would mean that she actually did not die in the crash. She was actually, she actually survived the crash and was a stowaway on the island for some time. Yeah. Uh, It would, uh, it would change the history of, you know, as we know it, of this woman. It's, yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I need to look. I think there's some really cool books about Amelia Earhart that I'd love to read. Yeah, I, I don't know much about her. I read a little bit more into her. Um, she's the first woman to fly across the United States from Los Angeles to Newark, New Jersey. I think she did it in 19 hours. And uh, I think she was the first woman to fly across the Atlantic Ocean. So I think she did the United States first. She flew across the Atlantic and then she was attempting to fly around the entire world. And obviously, everybody knows how it goes. She she was lost. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm curious to see. I'm gonna have to pay attention to this article and see if they actually end up finding these bones to be hers because that would be groundbreaking. It would. Yeah. So up next for the rest of the month, we have Carly Hayward who is talking to us about her trip through China and Mongolia. We will have Gary who is actually a, a New York City tour guide. We found him through Tours by Local, who we've been kind of talking about in our. Uh, intros and outros and then we have luke and chris who are the beard brothers and they're going to talk to us a little bit about their biking adventures through south united kingdom southern united kingdom yeah and uh yeah yeah i thought forward to this one yeah so give us a review 
Uh, check us out on Instagram, social medias, Facebook. I mean, those are the two we really use. Twitter, not so much. But we appreciate you. Tune in next week.